fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, John Welcome into the program. What's up? It's another week. Man, can you believe it? We are back at it again after a fun-loving, wonderful, that's what we're going to call it at least, uh, weekend. <laughs> Hopefully you've been able to enjoy it. And... So many festivities and activities and exciting things going on in the world that we just can't stay a hold of it. So we're going to get to all of it that we possibly can. What's up? Welcome into it. Happy Monday broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Radio stations galore, baby. TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Always great to have you for the ride. Your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. I enjoyed the weekend thoroughly. I had a lot going on. What did I do? Oh, yeah, that's right. I walked in a St. Patrick's Day parade. It was amazing. I got to wear my green, and we'll do it again next weekend for the real St. Patrick's Day coming up on Friday, which I know all of you are extremely excited about. And we'll talk some more about that here in just a little bit. I did not watch the Oscars over the weekend. I don't know if you did. If you did, then let me know who won. All I heard was that Brendan Fraser did win something, which is awesome. Totally deserved it. I did see Whale. It was a good movie. I mean, I guess it was a great re uh, rejoining of Hollywood for him. But outside of that, I mean, it was okay. It was good. No action. I didn't see Sylvester Stallone kicking any butt. I didn't see any uh, Keanu Reeves kicking any butt, which I am excited about. Uh, John Wick 4 coming out probably more so than anything else. So I'm just waiting on pins and needles for that one. And I didn't watch the Oscars because no one was going to get slapped this this year. So, <laughs> I mean, if no one's getting slapped, there's no action. Why the hell would I want to watch the Oscars? Welcome into we got a lot to talk about today. Mark Mix, National Right to Work Committee. He'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour today as we talk about Biden's proposal on his budget last week. But that may be changing now that we're doing a whole bunch of bank bailouts today. So he said that last week. And we still have to pay our bills going into the end of the fiscal year this year. But apparently we're just going to bail out a whole bunch of banks. Have you heard? Have you heard? Yeah. What a mess, man. I tell you, I, let's just r- jump right into it. Why waste any time on our latest and what's trending? What's trending today? Now, of course, this is just put another feather in the cap, I guess, for the Democrats and the progressives and the socialists that when something goes sour, then we just bail them out. Why not? That's just the typical response. When something goes bad in the private sector, we have to just bail out. That's just the solution nowadays. I'm trying to think of an industry that we haven't bailed out. I mean, we've bailed out since, let's say, George W. Bush. And I know we've done even more before that. We could go back to Bill Clinton. We go back to Bush Sr. But let's go back to George W. Bush just for now, shall we? We've bailed out the auto industry and even the banks and the financial institutions back then. Then we bailed out the airlines. Then we bailed, bailed out the healthcare system, consuming the healthcare system with Obamacare, taking over a sixth of the economy into the public sector. Then we're bailing out the alternative energy, although I wouldn't say we're really bailing out the alternative energies because the alternative energies are really just kind of an investment from the federal government, forcing it into the private market. When we're really saying, hey, cool, we really don't want this right now because it's not cost effective and it's not as efficient as the other stuff. Can we get that back, please? It's cool. We should look at it. Maybe we should work on integrating it in a little bit on the local private level. If I want to put one on my barn, uh, you know, on the farm or do the windmill for my farm or if I want to put it on my house or my school, something like that. Cool. 
but don't make my entire town dependent on some type of solar panel or windmill because that's really stupid and not quite up to where it needs to be for that level yet. Now we're going to the bank. So I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding what isn't a bailable out industry, if you want to call it that. What can't we bail out? Because if a bank goes up, which the question is, why are the banks going up? These two, this uh, uh, Silicon Valley Bank out of California and now the Signature Bank in New York, the second and third largest U.S. bank failures in American history. Now, <laughs> that's, that's coming at a time where the Biden administration is trying to uh, double down on the fact that we're not going into a recession. In fact, the economy is doing so well, according to, you know, Jim Cramer from CNBC. To me, we have the strongest economy perhaps I have ever seen. She said, no. <laughs> Remember those? Yeah, we've had the strongest recovery, the strongest economy that I think I've ever seen. We have Joe Biden out there talking about all the great economic growth that he's seen and creating uh, what? It worked. We created jobs, lots of jobs. In fact, our economy created over six 0.5 million new jobs just last year. And yeah, now he's at the 12 million jobs, so you can imagine how well we're doing now. We're doing so well, we've created 12 million plus jobs. We are seeing the greatest post-COVID-19 recovery that we've ever seen. We're almost back up to where we should be on regular economics if we didn't have the COVID-19. And we're doing so well that... We have banks failing left and right now with two of them that are already shutting doors, a third one that possibly could be, and more that are struggling right now. And then the federal government's response is, don't worry, we're going to bail you out. We're going to make sure that your funds are available to pull out, even though they're above the 250000 uh, that's insured from the FDIC. Now, for those that don't know, I was in banking for a couple of years, and I was a personal banker. I didn't do anything crazy like doing investments, but I did do basic opening up checking accounts and credit cards and, you know, get people signed up for uh, auto refinances or auto loans, that sort of stuff. So I have a basic understanding of how banks work and different banks work in certain ways. For example, the Bank of Wells Fargo uh, makes the majority of their money by opening up checking accounts. By having the number of accounts they have, whether it's credit cards, savings accounts, checking accounts, they make their money based on the number of accounts that they have to show the activity that people like to have. So if you go into Wells Fargo, for example, then you're like, I just need to open up a checking. They're going to open up your five checking accounts. Well, here's one for your gas and for your banks aren't able to maintain it because people aren't able to afford the rates that are continuously climbing so they're starting to default which means the bank's losing their money and they're trying to sell off the debts and all the investments and no one wants to buy it at such a high interest rate so the banks are having to close doors now as sad as it is as crazy as it is as horrible as it may be for those that are banking with this institution guess what that's the private sector and when you're banking with someone or when you're investing with someone, a.k.a. like taking out a loan from a certain bank, you want to make sure that you're actually doing it in a, and I know a very triggering word for someone on the other side of the aisle, a very conservative manner. Now, I'm not a banking expert by any way, shape, or form. You can listen to CNBC and different uh, stock market experts talking about this and way more of an in-depth level. But for us on the average Joe Schmo level that just has a regular bank account, maybe a mortgage, maybe a car payment, maybe credit cards in the bank, we need to understand this, is that the way the banks make their money, as I just mentioned, is being changed quite dramatically right now with how the stock market's doing and with how the economy's doing where we're being lied to right before our eyes and they still don't admit the fact that they're lying to us. They're not telling us. In fact, all they're saying is, well, the economy's doing great. Don't worry about it. There is not going to be a recession. It's okay. And now 
when you have banks closing and they just want to bail them out. The weird part is, is that we're even just ignoring our own rules. Well, a lot of them had money in above the $250,000 that was the FDIC insured. So if the bank does go up, then you can at least recover up to $250,000 in your bank account. If you have more than that, we recommend, and I remember telling people this when I opened up accounts, if you plan to have more than $250,000 in the bank account, then you probably need to open up a different account or go to another bank and put it in there. So that way you don't have all of your money in one basket. And yet... We don't want to follow our own rules because now the Biden administration, oh, don't worry about it. We're going to uh, open it up and anybody can pull out all of their money. You don't have to worry about a thing, even if it's above the $250,000. We're not capping it. We're just going to willy-nilly hand out the money. And the question is why? Why are we giving out all this money when this is the way the private sector works? If the bank was smart, they would have done lending a little bit simpler, a little bit more conservative. And apparently we haven't learned our lesson over the last 10 to 15 years, all the way back to the Clinton era, when the banks close or the stock market crashes. And we should probably not lend out more than what people can afford just because interest rates are low. You want to make sure that those interest rates are actually secure and you want to make sure that the lending is secure and that the people that you give it out to actually have the capability of being able to pay it back. Not like, well, you know what? Interest rates are low. I know that you only make $50,000, but let's go ahead and loan you out $300,000. Don't worry. The payments are really low with the interest right now. Boom, interest rates go up and they can't afford it. This is the beauty of the private market. If you make stupid business decisions, then you get the repercussions, cause and effect. But yet again, the socialists, the globalists, the ones that just think that we need to take care of everybody, they have uh, glared their ugly faces all over again. And they say, I know that the private sector really has its risks on whether you're going to do well or not do well based on how you practice your business uh, practices. But we're going to go ahead and bail you out. We're going to make sure you don't fail. And everybody that had money in there, we're going to go ahead and take it out. This is insane. What's the point of even having rules if you're going to break the rules? And you want to know why they're breaking the rules specifically for these with Silicon Valley in California and for Signature Bank in New York specifically and others that could be potentially coming as well. The reason they're breaking those is because that's where probably, I'm just guessing here, where a vast majority of the investors and campaign donors are for many of the Democrats abroad. The Silicon Valley Bank, I'm sure, has a whole bunch of Hollywood elites, has a whole bunch of tech industry individuals, a whole bunch of lefties that try to brainwash us and try to censor us on the social media. That's where their money's stored. And we can't let them fail because then who would we have to actually censor conservatives on social media or try to create the latest and greatest technology when they're doing it for us? At Signature Bank in New York, I'm assuming there's a lot of millionaires and billionaires that are in there that are also big donors to the Democrat Party. We can't let them fail. That's what we're here to do. We got elected by them, and we have to protect them and be there for them when things get hard because we don't want them to have to suffer. This is at the same time, mind you, that the Democrat Party, specifically Joe Biden right now, just went after Republicans in the Freedom Caucus for their counter-proposal of his budget that was released last week, wanting to cut taxes and keep the Trump taxes in shape. And he said that we're no longer going to be protecting and giving tax breaks to millionaires and billionaires. Days after he makes that statement saying we're not going to be protecting or bailing out millionaires and billionaires with tax cuts, 
He's bailing them out by saving their you-know-what because their banks are closing because of the poor business decisions that the bank actually made by lending out too much money where interest rates were too low to risky, um, uh, potential risky deals, and they can't make the money back the way the market's supposed to be set. If you make bad decisions, you fail, you shut down, someone will rise again and take that place. But oh no, we can't do that now because you're too big to fail, you're too important, and don't worry, we're going to take care of you. That's the world we live in in 2023. And you wonder why we have the left begging for student loan forgiveness in this country, for crying out loud. This is your reason. Not only can you listen to Hoosier on your favorite radio station, Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. Man, we're just having fun today for a Monday. We're going to rock and roll for another one here. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. (laughs) Trying to work out a couple little glitches in the system here, man. It's a Monday. Nothing wants to work properly the way it should be. And it's also on spring break. I was seeing, if you haven't seen some of the partiers down in Florida, man, taking it to another level it's one of the first ones i think back from the covid19 pandemic so they are taking things to another level i saw boxing matches on the beach for crying out loud (laughs) they don't care about the financial collapse that's about to happen so while we see now look not trying to be debbie downer here but we got to be realistic if we're looking at the second and third largest bank failures in the u.s history and the government's like well we can't let that happen under my watch we said the economy was good and there's not going to be a recession, and we don't want the banks to fail. And just because they invested in the wrong things doesn't make it. It's not their fault. They are victims of society, probably of Donald Trump. And if that's the case, then are we on the road to the financial, I don't want to say collapse, but a financial correction in the markets right now. As we see a lot of the bank industry down, the stock market wrapped up pretty heftily lower today. At the same time, the digital currencies were on the way up. We saw Bitcoin jump up pretty dramatically at the end of trading today overall. So are we seeing the transition happen before us? Because what's going to happen if the government bails out these banks? Which means the government's going to have more control over the bank. And they say, Joe Biden said, well, it's not going to affect the taxpayer in any way, shape, or form. We're not using taxpayer money to bail them out. (laughs) Now, it depends on how you look at it. There is the FDIC insurance of the $250,000 for the account, meaning if you have up to $250,000 in a bank account and the bank fails, it's insured by the federal government to where you can still get that money back. But that's supposed to be the cap, which means the money sitting there for the insurance needs like situations like this. But at the same time, the government said, well, we're not going to abide by that. We're just going to do everything. Why? Because it's all their millionaire and billionaire California donors to the Democrat Party that are working in the tech industry that they don't want to look bad during a time where they're trying to say the economy is doing really well and we have an ongoing battle against China and Russia and the rest of the globe. So we can't let them fail. Too big to fail. Too important to fail. We need to make sure that they're taken care of. So we're not going to abide by the $250,000 cap in the system. Because he's right. If it was the $250,000, then it wouldn't be from the taxpayers because that is insured by the federal government, and that's why banks pay into the insurance plan, essentially, and there we can actually have this plan to where you're covered for that. But when you're talking of millions upon millions, even billions of dollars, because of how much money was invested in there, and that's above there, how much money is in this insurance policy? 
because the insurance policy supposedly was only up to that cap. So if it's above and beyond that cap, then how much do we go over that cap in order to cover the plan for the insurance policies and how much of that's going to dip into other government programs? Makes you wonder. Regardless, the government's going to come in, swoop in, take over these banks, probably other banks as well. They're too big to fail. We need to keep them rolling, which means now they're no longer through the private sector industry. They're now going to be leaning more towards the public sector industry and the government having more control over them. We can't let them fail. Obviously, they failed the private sector, so the government's going to take them over because we know that there's a whole lot of awesome experts in the federal government that handle banking problems way more than business owners in the private sector, right? I I said that in a very... uh, um yeah, yeah, there we go. Thank you. Although they feel like they're very victorious. They feel like they're, you know, they're important. I'm a big kid now. Yeah, so they can believe whatever they want to believe, but if they take over the banking institution more at the public sector, then what's going to happen to other private banks? Well, the smaller ones, the local state bank that you use, the local community bank that you probably use, they're going to be feeling the brunt of this because they're not getting any types of bailouts, and they may be in the same situation, which means now we're going to see what happened in the healthcare industry as we're going to see the big ones survive, the little ones fail, everybody be forced into more public banking, and then guess what? They have control over the centralization of the banking institutions even more so than what they do already, which means they get to start monitoring bank accounts and checking what you're purchasing in your account and go down the whole road that they plan to do all along. Man, there's an opportunity that just opened up for the Democrats, weren't there? Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, of welcome back into the program. Hey, happy Monday to you. Appreciate you hanging out with us today on the first day of the week. We're going to carpe diem all over this place, baby. That's what we do. Always the eternal optimist, no matter what's going on in the world. I'm a firm believer of the whole yin and yang, positive energies, negative energies. There's always a balance in the universe. So whenever things bad are going on, there's always an opportunity to fix it. There's always an opportunity to make it better. There's always an opportunity whenever there's a downside. So as we continue on with our eternal optimism, sometimes I get the comment of, Andy, you are way too positive. Sometimes you just need to accept there's bad things going on. True, but there's always good stuff going on too, man, which is why we need to continue on. I'm curious on what the rest of the world's thinking about our bank failures here as we're looking at the second and third largest bank failures in American history. And by the way, not under Donald Trump's watch, under Joe Biden's watch. I know that may be triggering for the other side. Especially for Democrats who are like, I'm supporting Joe Biden for president. (laughs) While they are talking about the 2024 presidential elections, man, they're going after Trump already for that one. It's kind of weird. But uh, while we see the banks failing under Biden, not under Trump, although they're going to find an excuse of, well, you know, the economy still wasn't up because Trump closed it down because we told him to do so. And he didn't invest in certain uh, industries in the world and in the country. And, you know, the bank just trying to do its best thing to try and save the environment. And it just didn't work out for him. So it must be because of Republicans not allowing those industries to succeed. Whatever excuse they use. We need to know the truth. We need to know the real truth, which is why we need to sign up for OpsLens, OpsLens Worldview. No matter what you're looking for, whether it's blogs, journalism, investigative news reports, all over the world, 
anything that you want to learn about from any different topic, from Second Amendment issues to banking institutions to energy to politics to whatever, you can find it. All you got to do is just type in the keywords and boom, it'll show you articles from all over the world from both sides of the aisle so you can come to your own conclusion. We need this information now more than ever before. And here's how you can do it. Go to OpsLens.com, O-P-S-L-E-N-S.com. You can see right there as soon as you see it, OpsLens Worldview, the new way to view the world where you can check out articles and obtain a clear vision of the entire world right at the tip of your fingers right there. You'll get five days for free. You can check it out if you like it, which we know you're going to like it. Then you can continue on. Use the promo code VOR10, as in Voice of Reason 10, VOR10. You'll get 10% off on your monthly subscription, and you can get all of these awesome articles from any different topic you could potentially be looking for. Know what's going on in the world. We're going from, uh, here's what the rest of the world's thinking of us right now, which is kind of crazy to think about. We're going from a train derailment, which they're calling the Chernobyl of the United States with how bad that train derailment was in Ohio, in East Palestine, Ohio. They're calling it the Chernobyl of, uh, of the United States. Now they're looking at us and saying two and third largest bank failures in American history happen within a two month span of each other, three month span of each other. And they're scratching their heads and saying, what the hell's going on in the United States? And here we have the sunshine and daisies and the rainbows and, you know, everything all wonderful, hunky-dory, holding hands, singing kumbaya under the Biden administration. The economy's great. Don't worry about a thing. The mainstream media, everything's wonderful. Don't look at this stuff. These aren't the joy you're looking for. That's what we're getting up our, you know, what's here in the United States, while the rest of the world's looking at us saying they have some serious problems. Go to OpsLens.com, OpsLens, O-P-S-L-E-N-S.com, go to Worldview, type in your promo code VOR10, get 10% off using the promo code, tell them that you listen to us here on The Voice of Reason, which we love you to death and appreciate you doing so very, very much. Uh, we'll get Mark Mix on the program here in a little bit. He is unavailable on another interview running late, so uh, we may just get him rescheduled for another time. As we were talking about in the last segment, and again, I, this isn't to be the Debbie Downer or the Doomsdayer because you know me being the eternal optimist. There's always an opportunity here. But good golly, it seems like whenever there's a problem, Democrats just had the perfect solution, man. And right there, they know the perfect solution and they know exactly how to fix the issue. Winning. It's what they go for all the time, isn't it? Oh, there's a problem. The banks are failing. And instead of saying, well... You know, maybe you shouldn't have actually invested in certain industries. Maybe you shouldn't have lent out so much money on things that were maybe a little bit riskier. Maybe you should have been a little bit more conservative. Trigger word. And actually lending things out. Maybe you should have handled your business a little bit more appropriately. But now you're kind of SOL and sorry. Well, reimburse the FDIC's cap at $250,000. That's the insurance protected for consumers that had their bank accounts outside of that. You should have followed the rules if you had more money in there. Our bad. End of story. Someone else will rise again. The industry will rebound. And guess what? Usually when it rebounds, you rebound a little bit better, don't you? If you fail in a sporting event, then you learn the mistakes. You practice your techniques. You do something a little bit better. Maybe you get a little bit stronger. Maybe you get a little bit faster. Maybe you practice the pitching or the basketball dribbling or the hoop shooting or the running for the field goal or kicking the field goal or whatever you do in certain sports. Or you you know practice your grounding and you know if you do MMA fighting or whatever you do, you practice it to better it because you become stronger after your loss to make sure you come back and rebound. The private market is no different. They want it. They want the survival, and therefore if a bank fails or something fails – then 
Someone else will rise up because they saw the opportunities, they saw the lost opportunity, they saw what was done wrong, and then they tweak it and they actually make it better. But now, the government coming in just bailing us out, what's the point of even trying? What's the point of even learning a lesson? Oh, don't worry, we'll go ahead and bail you out. And now we see the total opportunity. The Democrats are going to take it. They're going to actually make it more centralized with the banking, shut down some of the smaller ones. Remember the whole Obamacare? You can keep your doctor if you want to. If you want to keep your insurance, you can. And then they all shut down because they couldn't afford it, competing against government health care. We're going to be competing against government banks, and then we're going to centralize everything, and then poof, voila, now they have everything they want to to start pushing again for the, we're going to track every uh, transaction that you do, make sure you're paying your fair share in taxes, make sure that we you're not purchasing firearms or anything weird like that. We just need to keep a tab on everything now that we're running everything. We've been down this story before. So what's going to happen now? The economy's going to go down. And uh, already we're seeing mortgage rates go down, which means people are going to start buying more, which means banks are going to rebound and trying to start lending again. And then the interest rates are going to go up again. And then it's going to burst because they lent out too much. And it's the same vicious cycle. And we never seem to actually correct ourselves or make it better or learn the lessons from the past. All right. I want to get into what's trending. And I think we have our guests on the line. What's trending today? Let's see if we have them here. President of the National Right to Work Committee, uh, Mr. Mark Mix with us here. Mark, how are you, my friend? Are you there? I am here, Andy, and I, I was listening to the voice of reason as it related to the banking system. These are uh, interesting times indeed. So. It is a very interesting time. First off, it's good to talk to you again. And, yeah, your thoughts on this stuff. Now that we see the second and third largest bank failures in American history under the Biden administration, while they're still telling us, don't worry, a recession's not coming, we're just going to go ahead and bail these things out. Yeah, Andy, I, I think your analysis was spot on. And I'm sorry, I, I, you, I, I didn't get out to the right phone in time to get on with you at the, at the appointed time, but it was good, good to listen to you because you're right. I mean, you know, the president talks about how everyone's going to be made whole. And if you're, if you're a depositor and you're going to be able to make your payroll, pay your bills, get your checks paid. But if you're an investor, you're going to lose everything. Now, if I understand it, when you put your money in a bank and you know that it's it's uh, basically insured up to twenty two point five or whatever two hundred fifty thousand, yeah. anything above that's a risk, right? I mean, you're an investor. You're basically putting your money with someone and saying, "Here's how it is." But yeah, it, they're gonna they're gonna bail it all out, and and the repercussions of all of that, I think, are exactly as you articulated, and it's really scary. Um, it just is. It keeps government keeps getting bigger. And they keep using that increased size to monitor and control more of our lives. It's pretty clear what's going to happen. You're spot on. It is weird. They see the opportunity here. I mean, if we have rules like saying, you know, it's. I mean, I was a banker. I was a personal banker for a while. And I remember telling people, if you have more than $250,000, put it in a separate account or take it to another bank because that's only what you're insured for. So if something happens, God forbid, that's all you're out, anything above that. So you're going to get insured up to that point. If we had those types of rules, why in the world are we all of a sudden saying, oh, we're just going to erase that. If you have a couple million dollars in there, you can go ahead and pull that out because we're still going to bail you out. The only way I see this is that it's the nice little Democrat donors in the tech industry there in Silicon Valley where, you know, they're going to be a little upset unless the government does something for them. Yeah, indeed. And (laughs) and to your point, I mean, your best point, well, you made lots of great points, but the point is the risk. So you're a banker. You have to make decisions about how you're going to use this money, whether you're going to load it out, whether you're going to invest it. And obviously they made very bad investments at that bank going out 10 years on the yield curve to get what was it, 1.5% return when they were, you know, and they had to pay out 4% or 5%. I mean, the business model didn't work for them and it was their fault. And 
I don't know, Andy. I, I I'm, I'm way out of off in front of my skis on the issues that I that I know something a little bit more about, and that is yeah. forced unionism. So let's let's get there quickly as possible, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about you. Know, last week we saw the Biden administration actually uh, propose their 2024 budget, and of course he did it in a manufacturing plant there in Philadelphia, and he talked about how everything just needs to be unionized, and we need to have forced unionization, and he's still marching down this road. Uh, Mark, obviously, there's a lot of states working on trying to get to right to work laws in their states while he's promoting this. I don't know how popular this mindset still is. Yeah, it really isn't. You know, the, the union officials, I, I was actually testifying last week in front of uh, Senator Bernie Sanders at the uh, at this committee hearing where it got a little bit rowdy between the senator from Oklahoma and the uh, the top union boss at the Teamsters Union. And that's a, that's kind of one of those uh, uh, interesting memories that I'll have and share with my grandkids that I was there when all this stuff happened. But you're right. He's pushing this agenda. They're pushing it through the budget process that he proposed, a dramatic increase in the, in the budget for the National Labor Relations Board, which really is doing less work than they were doing last year than they were doing the year before than they were doing 10 years ago, but yet they want more money to push this radical agenda. And it does include uh, forced unionism, Andy. Unfortunately, we're, we're watching as Michigan, uh, the Democrat administration there, uh, and Gretchen, Witch, uh, Gretchen Whitmer, excuse me, and the Democrat-controlled House and Senate are getting ready to repeal the right-to-work law in Michigan. And literally, Andy, what they're saying to the workers in Michigan say, well, yeah, we really care about you. The one thing we're going to do, the one thing we can do to help you is to force you to pay a private organization <laughs> for the opportunity to work in Michigan. That is a campaign focus. That's a mess. Mark, we got to take a hard break here. Can you stick over one more second? I can, absolutely. Oh, fantastic. I appreciate it. I want to continue this when we come back here. But, yeah, the push to go forced it unionized all over the nation, not going to work out too well. We'll continue this when we come back with Mark Mix with the National Right to Work Committee. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, it is. Welcome back into the program. Hey, thanks for hanging out for a Monday today. I know it's the hardest day for you. It's one of the best days we have on here. Why? Because we are just carpe diem all over the place, right? Trying to get you excited for the week. Setting the tone for the rest of the week is what we do here on the program. And we always love the fact that you're here with us. We're hanging out with Mark Mix, president of the National Right to Work Committee, also the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation. Mark, you were talking about the state of Michigan as we went into the break there, as the nice, wonderful Democrat governor said, don't worry, I'm here to protect you. You need to be forced to pay into the union now to represent you as we uh, go in. Because uh, surprisingly, with how much manufacturing is in the state of Michigan, that they have right to work laws in the state is pretty astounding. I, I grew up in Ohio and I remember trying to work in college, and I, I went to apply at UPS, and they were like, yeah, you have to join the union. And I was like, I, I, I don't know that I want to. So this has been a battle that's been ongoing for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And Michigan is kind of an interesting case study, Andy, because they had, prior to 2012, when we passed Right to Work up there, they had what was called the lost decade. They were losing manufacturing jobs. They were losing population. I mean, it was just a really desperate time economically in Michigan. 
And obviously there's lots of other things that, that make up kind of the atmosphere or the environment, if you will, that is conducive to creating jobs and opportunities. And the last decade, uh, we're actually the Michigan Right to Work Law is 10 years old. It, it, the last decade has been great for Michigan. In fact, they led the nation in new manufacturing job growth the first two years after Right to Work passed. Wow. Last year, unions, unions increased their union membership by 49,000 jobs. And the reason why they did that is because more jobs are coming to Michigan. So if you're a union official and you want to increase the number of workers that are part of your union, what's one of the best ways to do that, Andy? Wouldn't it be just to create more jobs so you can go out and sell more product? Wow. I mean, that would be a logical step by organized labor. But no, tomorrow the Senate will have a – there will be a Senate committee hearing tomorrow morning, and there will be a Senate floor vote tomorrow afternoon. And most likely Gretchen Whitmer will sign the repeal of the right-to-work law probably by midnight tomorrow night. And at some point when the, when this goes into effect after the legislature adjourns, um, workers in Michigan that have been, you know, that have exercised their rights under the right to work law will have a new and a uh, substantial deduction out of their paycheck because they will have to pay union dues or fees in order to keep or get a job in Michigan if they're working particularly in the automotive industry or if they're being attracted into the new electric battery uh, technology that's going to drive the automotive industry for the next decade or beyond whatever. I mean, Michigan is losing out, and they will lose out to the right-to-work states that remain. And here's the crazy part. While they're being forced to sign on to a union to represent them for their best interests in mind, we have GM coming out saying they're going to lay off like 11,000 workers or whatever it is because when it comes to the EVs, they don't need as many workers to manufacture electric vehicles because there's not as many parts in an electric vehicle. And they openly said, yeah, it's going to take less of a workforce to go into this new world. So they're being forced to into a union that's going to take their paycheck to represent them to force into an industry where they're not going to be needed as much. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? <laughs> well, that's again the voice of reason, but uh, you know, some people have it, some people don't. But you know, it's interesting, Andy, when you think about the United Auto Workers Union, which is the you know kind of the the foundational stone of the unionization in Michigan. I mean, they uh, for the first time in their history, they had a democratic election for the union president. And that's because, unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, if, we're, if you're a member in there and you you were part of the, or you were had to pay for the corruption that occurred over the last 10 years, the federal government basically is a trustee overseeing the union because of all of the corruption that was prosecuted uh, over the last, what, decade almost now. Um, and only 13% of the rank-and-file workers, the, the people that are eligible to vote, voted in the in for the new president. And it looks like the old establishment... Um, Mr. Curry, President Curry, is going to be thrown out. Ray Curry is going to be thrown out for a new guy. But the new guy was the guy in charge of negotiating with Stellanus, which was Chrysler, which was getting all the the bribes and the payoffs, selling the workers out uh, in the bargaining process. So, you know, what was that Who song from 1971, Andy? Uh, uh, Won't get fooled again. Uh, Meet the new boss, same as the old boss, right? Man, I tell you, these guys, they just don't learn their lessons and continue to advocate for an agenda that goes against their own best interests. But yet, I guess that's the way of, like you said, the lack of common sense, the lack of reason in society today. we got about 30 seconds here, Mark. Real quickly, what's kind of the big lawsuit you guys are working on right now? Well, we've got a case on behalf of 25 lifeguards in California that are having their rights violated. California is forcing them not only to pay full union dues, but be a formal member of the union and violating the Supreme Court decision we won in 2018. We hope the court will take it up and expand protections for government workers across this land. You guys are rocking it, my friend. It's the National Right to Work Committee, National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation as well, fighting for your right to work without having to have someone being paid to represent you in that industry as well. Mark, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. we got to do it again soon. 
Thanks, Andy. Always a pleasure. There it is. Man, a lot of info we crammed into that hour of programming. We'll do it again tomorrow. How about that? Until then, be your own voice of reason. Let's bring back some common sense. Don't fight for an advocacy of an agenda that's actually going to harm you at the end of the day. That doesn't make a lot of sense. We'll do it again tomorrow. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.